welcome along. Good morning and welcome to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. You are listening to Rosie and this is the point of our Riverside week where we dive into nature. And this week we've mixed up a little bit of a spooky theme because of October. It's all spooky this month. And also it was fossil day this week. So I thought, right, I'm going to take fossils and I'm going to take spooky. I'm going to mush them together. And normally we love to get a lovely scientist or expert. So I thought, who could talk to us? about spookiness and fossils and really there was only one person that could help us with that and I think we have them on the line. Hello Kieran, are you there? Hi Rosie, yeah I'm here. Ah, I'm so pleased you're here Kieran. Can, first of all, are you excited for Halloween? (laughs) I'm so excited, Halloween is my favourite time of year, Halloween is my Christmas. (laughs) Halloween is your Christmas. What do you do on Halloween? What, What makes it special for you? Um, well, we tend to do a big party, um, you know, lots of costumes and decorations. Uh, I love that it's like a big community holiday as well, so yeah. I always make sure to, to cater for the trick-or-treaters. We get a lot of them around this area, oh, so that's really nice. Amazing. The neighbours. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so you love Halloween, but we're not just doing Halloween today. We're getting ready for Halloween, and we're going to be talking about spooky fossils. So are you the right person to help us with that as well? <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be a, a nice crossover there with like creepy, scary creatures. Uh, you know, I love my monster movies, and uh, in, in fossils we find real, real life monsters, things that really existed in the past. Oh, that's amazing! Tell us a little bit about what you do, because I think you know you've got a perfect job to help us work these things out. Yeah, I have a great job. Um, so I'm the fossil preparator at the Natural History Museum in London. Um, so when you know when you find a fossil, it's typically stuck in a rock. And it's my job to get it out of the rock, essentially. I've got to use whatever tools I can to try and reveal the fossil, to dig away that rock. So that might be hitting it with a hammer and chisel. It might be scratching away with a pin under a microscope, wow. grain by grain. Might be using the sort of drills and things you might see at the dentists. Um, I can even use acids in some cases to dissolve the rock from around the fossil to reveal it. I have to be very careful doing that, though. Do you know what, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking, doesn't sound too dissimilar to pumpkin carving, actually. There's some <laughs> crossover skills there, transferable skills. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Do you have a favourite? I do spend a lot of time working on dinosaurs at the moment because they take a lot more work than a lot of the other animals. Ah, OK. Do you have a favourite fossil that you've been working on or that you just like where you work? Oh, I'm really enjoying working on a sauropod hand right now. So this is the front limb of uh, a long-necked plant-eating dinosaur and it's really nice because all the bones are in the right place so you can just see that it's a big hand with <laughs> it's really cool amazing oh good okay okay this is going to be the perfect mashup of fossils and spooky because you've prepared for us your top three spooky fossils is that right yeah i thought i'd take a bit of a, a trip through time and just pick out three interesting scary beasties Oh, and I think the way this is going to work is you're going to show me a, an image of what they might look like. Um, and then I'm going to have a go at describing them so all of our lovely listeners at home and wherever they are can imagine what they look like. And of course, they can uh, have a little guess of what they could be as well as I describe them. And then you're, you're going to tell us a little bit more about them. Does that sound OK? It sounds great. OK, so for the first one, can you set the scene? Where are we? When are we? Um, what do we need to know about the environment of this first fossil? Right, so for the first one, we're going way back in time to the Devonian period. Okay. And this is, we're going to stop off about 400 million years ago. And this is so long ago, there's no life on land at all. Oh, wow. All life is in the, in the seas and then in fresh water. So it's just oceans, really, and I guess like things crawling and swimming around in the ocean, nothing on land. 
Yeah, no, there's there's fish, there's lots of invertebrates, but there's there's no uh, reptiles or birds or mammals or anything like that. Okay, and this first fossil that I can see, can I, can I have a go at describing it now? Absolutely, please do. Okay, so um, I'm not sure how big it is. It could be quite small, it could be absolutely huge. I guess you, you'll be able to tell us that in a moment. Um, it's got, okay, at the front of its body, it's got like... I'm going to say they look a bit like antlers. That's something I would describe, mm. compare them to. But really, really spiky, pointy things. And then I guess it's got its head. Um, and then a little bit further down, it looks like it's almost got arms or paddles. I guess thinking of the sea, paddles or flippers maybe. And I can see its body is like divided in, into segments. So it's quite a long bo body. And then it tapers off into a thin tail. And along that body, we've got like little segments. So if I think of like a um, a millipede or a, uh, what what is that bug that hides under the rocks? Woodlouse. Woodlouse. Yes, yeah. it's almost got those same little segments that go along the body. Um, is there any important details that I've missed out on that fossil? No, I think you've got a lot of the good ones. Yeah, the, the segments or the various limbs and spiky bits coming off of it. Okay. Uh, Nice description. Well, we're going to let everyone have a little wonder about what that could be. Um, we've got some music coming up, and then, Kieran, you can tell us what we've discovered here. Great. Okay, amazing. We'll be back after this. Hello, welcome back to Riverside Radio, where we are discussing fearsome, frightful, terrifying fossils. And we're still joined by Kieran, who is the perfect person to help us with that. Kieran, are you still there? I'm still here. Yay! Okay, so I described just before the break there, one of the fossils, how long ago did you say this was alive? Uh, we were looking about 400 million years ago. Okay, so just, just a little way back. Um, we said it had like a segmented body, maybe a little bit like a millipede, but on the top of its head almost looks like antlers or graspy things, really like spiky and pointy. So what, what on earth is this? Yeah, the creepy creature you did quite a good job describing there was it's called a Eurypterid, but we commonly call them sea scorpions. Oh. And they were around for a really long time. They're obviously very successful. And despite the name, they're not uh, true scorpions like we have today, but they are arthropods, which is that big group of animals, insects, spiders, scorpions, crabs, lobsters, etc. So when you mentioned segments and sort of lots of limbs, that, that got across the good idea that these were these arthropods. And um, although we call them sea scorpions, we, they lived in fresh water as well. And possibly later on, they might have even been able to call it onto land for short periods of time as well. How big was this? Because it's, it's quite hard to see in the image on my on my screen. It's, it's relatively small, but uh, in life, I imagine, was this a small animal or a big animal? Yeah, well, there's a, a couple of hundred species of sea scorpions, so they're quite variable. Some of them are very small, kind of fit in your hand size. Uh, but the biggest one, Jekyllopterus, is two and a half metres long. Uh, which is bigger than a person. Uh, oh. It's actually the biggest arthropod ever. Wow. And this is without the claws extended out. So if it reached its claws out for the front, it would be even longer. It's probably the top predator in its environment. Wow, so we take almost like imagine a scorpion around today, we might have seen on TV, and just times that, grow it until it's like almost as long as a car, really. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's, I, I think it looks kind of lobstery as well. Also, yeah, mixed with a scorpion. And like I said, they're quite varied. Um, on the end of the tail, some of them have a kind of swimming rudder, uh -huh. some of them have a long spike, and some of them may even have a, like a stinger. It looks quite a lot like a modern scorpion. They might have even been able to inject venom with it. We're not really sure. Oh, wow. That is... I can see why that's earned a place on your um, 
top three spooky fossils. So if people want to go and check that out, it's sea scorpion. Yeah, sea scorpions. Sea scorpions. Okay, let's, because I know we're going to go time by time, aren't we? So we're going to leave behind the Devonian period that you said where all life was in water. Where are we going to go next? Okay, we're taking a huge jump in time right now. Uh, we're going all the way forward to the Miocene 15 million years ago. So we've skipped over the entire age of the dinosaurs, uh, but we're still before the Ice Age. Uh, into the Miocene period. Okay, so the the next fossil that I'm looking at, I know it's not a dinosaur, because if we've skipped the dinosaurs, we'll have to talk about that in a bit, but we skip the dinosaurs. Okay, the thing that I'm looking at now, I think it's a fossil, so it's the bones of the animal. They're normally the bits, the hard parts that become fossils, aren't they? Um, it looks like a bird. It looks, yeah, it looks like a bird shape. So we've got two long legs. On the end of its feet, there's maybe one, two, three, four claws on each foot. Sorry, toes on each foot and then on the end of those toes massive massive claws um if we come up the legs yep it looks kind of like a bird-like body like maybe it's got two small wings maybe a bit like a chicken but then the thing that kind of steals the show was a long neck and on the end of that neck is a, a head a skull i guess and the beak is just so sharp at the end of that beak it comes down into a really fine point and it looks like i don't know how big this animal is again if it's just a small little even if it was a small creature like the size of a chicken i reckon that could probably definitely take your fingers if not hand off the beak looks so so sharp um how was my description there kieran very nice very good <laughs> so what have we got here um okay so this creature um well, the group of creatures here is, is the forest rockets. Again, they've got a cool nickname, though. These are called the terror birds. The terror birds. And these are giant, carnivorous, flightless birds. Okay, let's break that down. Giant, okay, they're massive. Carnivorous, eating meat. Yes. What was the next one? Uh, flightless birds. So like modern ah. ostriches and emus, uh, they couldn't fly. Uh, they would run around on the ground. That explains those tiny little wings. Yeah, so I said they were giant. Um, the biggest ones are three meters tall. Wow. Okay, so if I'm th I'm thinking of an ostrich, maybe as like I think that's a good thing to compare it to. Actually, ostriches maybe oh maybe like two meters maximum. Yeah, yeah. Ostriches get pretty big. They're yeah, I think over two meters tall. Uh, we're getting even bigger than that. And an ostrich, you probably noticed, has a very small head. Uh, but as you described very nicely, these do not have a small head. They have a massive skull. The skull yeah. is about the size of a horse's skull. <gasps> That huge, heavy, and you point out the hooked beak, which is very nice, uh, almost definitely used for yeah, biting into their prey. And you also pointed out the big uh, claws on the feet. So between the sort of kicking legs and the pecking beak, you've probably got quite a dangerous predator here. And actually some of the largest predators in South America at this time. Okay, so we want to take an ostrich, make it taller, put a head on it the size of a horse's head, and then give it a really sharp, mean-looking beak, and we're sort of getting to this terror bird animal. Yeah, and unfortunately, they could probably run very fast as well. So probably maybe up to 30 miles an hour, which we're not sure. Oh, wow, um, and that explains those lovely long legs. Yeah. Okay, so terror birds. What what kind of things might have these been eating? I guess it's a long time ago, right? It is, yeah, it's quite a long time ago. We're not really sure. Um, but some people think they were mostly sort of grabbing small prey like rabbits and things, but other people think they were attacking sort of deer-sized animals. Uh, and it's, it's hard to know for sure. Um, but yeah, we're certainly probably hunting 
small to medium to large uh, mammals and things that are running around on the plains. And that's what I think these things are doing, running around on the open plains. And because these terror birds are sort of dominating the plains, mammal predators seem to have been forced to hunt in forests instead. So oh. they're kind of pushing the mammals out a bit. And I find this super interesting because you said, well, we said that the dinosaurs were gone at this point. Um, but it's almost like, well, we know that birds descended from dinosaurs. Oh. And it's almost like this one group of dinosaurs, this group of birds remembers what it's like to be the top predator and thinks, you know, it's, it's not over yet. Uh, there's still time for the birds to become the dominant predators on land. And literally terrorise everything around. I guess hence the name terror birds. Yeah. That is amazing. Now, I, I believe at this time there are still animals in the ocean and there's lots of other things on land as well. I've got a question from one of our Saturday Splash listeners, Millie May. Um, I'm going to play it for you and maybe you'll be able to help us out with this question. I'm Millie May. I'm, I'm, I'm from Chelmsford and I have a question. My question is, how big is a megalodon? Good question for Millie May there. How big is a megalodon? So were they living around the same time as these terror birds? Um, let me think. Megalodon, yeah, it's got quite a long time span. So um, I forget when it first appears, maybe sort of 20 million years ago or so. See, there, probably, there would be some overlap with the terror birds. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the megalodon, in case anyone's not aware, is a giant prehistoric shark. Uh, and how big it is is actually a really good question because the fact is we're not really sure. Sharks are really interesting because they don't have bony skeletons. They have a cartilage skeleton. Cartilage is that soft, springy stuff in your ears and in your nose. What they do have is lots and lots of teeth that they constantly shed all throughout their life. So although their skeletons don't fossilize very well, their teeth fossilize really well because okay. they're always dropping big teeth into the into the ocean. And megalodon teeth are the biggest shark's teeth that we've ever found. How big, and, roughly, if I was to hold a megalodon tooth in my hand, would it be you know like the, the size of my palm or? I'd say the biggest ones are about the size of your entire hand, wow. um, <laughs> and big sort of triangle teeth as well with, with cutting edges on them. Uh, fortunately, occasionally some of the vertebrae do fossilize and from this we can tell that the megalodon was probably about three times the size of the great white shark great white shark is the biggest predatory shark alive today about six meters long so scale this up and you've got megalodon probably between 15 and 20 meters long which is absolutely huge that's huge i think that could even be like longer than a like a double decker bus driving around london yeah it's, it's similar to the the sperm whale which is the biggest predator alive today that is a great question from Millie May. So a megalodon could have been bigger than a London bus, I think is a is a good answer there. Thank you, Kieran. Cheers. So good we, question. It is a really good question. Um, we've got one other on your top three spooky fossils to find out about, but I think we should have some music. <laughs> Welcome back to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. You are listening to Rosie and we've got Kieran on the line still. Hello, Kieran. Hi, Rosie. Now, you've been helping us learn about spooky fossils because, of course, it's October and this week was Fossil Day. So we've just mushed them together in what is proving to be one of my favourite topics that we've covered on the Saturday Splash. Um, and you're, you're an expert Halloweener and an expert fossil preparator. So you, you just... The ideal guest, really, for this sort of show. Yeah, it's turning out to be a lot of fun. 
<laughs> now, so far, we've been to a time period where there was only animals in the water and we met a terrifying, massive sea scorpion. We then came forward in time and met something called a terror bird, which was like an ostrich, bigger than an ostrich, with a head like a horse, but with a really sharp beak. Terrifying predator. Where are we going for our third and final scary animal from the past? Okay, we're going actually quite recent now. We're going to the Pleistocene period, and we'll stop about just one million years ago. And uh, right now, it's the Ice Age. So you know, it's there's uh, polar ice caps, and it's pretty cold all around. And uh, yeah, North and South America have just joined up. We've also got the earliest human, sort of uh, ancient humans, around as well. Amazing. So it's pretty recent. Amazing. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure as soon as you said Ice Age, some ears pricked up and went, oh, hang on, I know some Ice Age animals. I'm going to describe this fossil that you've got here for us. I think I know what it is this time, but I'm not going to give it away. Um, so it's got four legs um, and a long backbone. I can see that, the fossils of the bones. Uh, it's got a big rib cage, really big shoulders as well, the, the shoulder bones there. But the kind of standout, thing that I can see is its head. It's got quite a sloping skull um, with two eyes that maybe look like they're pointing forward. So that's one thing that tells me this might be a predator. The other thing that tells me this just might be a predator is it has two gigantic, I'm going to say fangs, but I think maybe scientifically would we call them canines? Would that be a better word? Yeah, that's right. So absolutely two massive long canine teeth that it looks like it couldn't even close its mouth and keep these teeth inside its mouth. So I'm sure we've got some listeners um, who have maybe worked out what this might be. But could you tell everyone, what, what is that your third terrifying fossil? Yeah, for the last one, I thought I'd go for something a bit more famous. And um, we've got Smilodon, which is one of the a saber-toothed cat. Yes, that's what I thought it was. It, it, yeah, Is that the same as like a saber-toothed tiger? I've heard them called that before. Uh, we used to call them saber-toothed tigers, but I think as people realise they're less related to modern lions and tigers than we thought, um, they've been separated out a bit, and now we just call them saber-toothed cats. Okay, well, what can you tell us about this amazing animal? Well, the most distinctive thing, as you pointed out, is the huge canines, or fangs, if you like. And they, the name Smilodon, it means knife tooth. Okay. And yeah, these are big, long, sharp teeth with a cutting edge on the back. Uh, really, really uh, deadly looking. Um, we actually know Smilodon quite well. We have lots and lots of fossils because of the tar pits in Los Angeles, the Brea tar pits. Mm. We've recovered many, many hundreds of skeletons of Smilodon from here. And yeah, you said it's, um, you pointed out something quite interesting. It's got quite big shoulders. Uh, although the saber-toothed cat is about the same size as a modern lion or tiger, they're much more heavily built. And um, particularly the front legs are much stronger and more muscular. So perhaps we're not really sure, but maybe they're using these big, big front legs to hold down their prey and then use the uh, long canines to take a, uh, quite a devastating surgical bite. Surgical um, bite, I like that. <laughs> yeah. They look almost as scary as those teeth look. Would they have been fragile? They, look, they do seem almost like they're just out there. They could easily be injured or were they pretty strong as well? Yeah, well, to give them that sort of blade-like cutting uh, edge, they are quite uh, thin side to side. They probably were quite fragile. We found quite a few skeletons with broken teeth. Um, so perhaps this is the idea of them being so strong and muscly. Maybe they needed to hold down their prey to stop the fangs getting broken if they bit into, say, a bone accidentally. 
they just need to you know be very careful about how they bit that makes um, perfect sense we've got a question from someone from one of our listeners all the way from Aberystwyth about teeth I think this might be a good place to bring that in if that's okay let's listen yeah. out um, for a question from Gwilym hi my name is Gwilym I am eight years old I live in Aberystwyth Wales my question is this what ancient animal had the biggest teeth Oh, what ancient animal has the biggest teeth? Is it is it the Smilodon or is it the saber-toothed cat? Something else? That is a great question. So um, I got two answers for you here because um, technically uh, tusks are teeth. So if we look at um, the ancient elephants, you know, the mammoths and the mastodons, uh, they all have the biggest teeth. Um, so I think the modern African elephant, the tusk, can get up to almost three meters long. Oh, wow. uh, but the American mastodon, it gets up to 4.2 meters long. So I think technically that's the longest single tooth that's ever been found, I think. But if we're talking about biting teeth in the mouth, um, Smilodon certainly comes close with its, uh, I think, 28 centimeter canines. But there is a prehistoric whale called Liviatin. Uh, which is named after the Leviathan, a sea monster from oh, the Bible. <laughs> this is a prehistoric whale from about 9 million years ago. The teeth are 36 centimetres, so it's 12 inches long. And I think this is the largest biting teeth of any animal that's ever been found. Amazing. I'm thinking of kind of like a ruler that you would get in a classroom. They're normally about 30 centimetres, but this was just a little bit bigger than that, 36 centimetres of a whale-like animal. Yeah. Wow. A predatory sperm whale, sort of, uh, similar to modern sperm whales. Sperm whales, they, I'm sure you know, only have uh, teeth in the lower jaw, and they're not really that sharp. They're kind of pinning down slippery squid. Um, but this uh, this whale is maybe using other whales or other big um, things in the ocean. Uh, so he needed a whole mouth bristling with these huge, huge teeth. That's amazing. Um, I'm he I'm guessing that's bigger than a T-Rex tooth then. I know the T-Rex has got like pretty good reputation sorry, reputation for having big teeth, but these were bigger. Yeah, Tyrannosaurus teeth are pretty enormous, about the size and roughly the shape of a banana. Uh, but yeah, these are even bigger. Is there anything else we need to know about this lovely saber-toothed cat fossil, which is on your list, top top three scary fossils, um, before we move on? Um, I think just, uh, to, it, it seems like it's an animal that's specialising on eating large mammals. So uh, wherever they're found, you also get big mammals like bisons and even camels. It might surprise you that sort of camels in America, but uh, yeah, I mean, camels in America that the smilers are probably eating. So we don't really know why they disappeared, but they do go extinct at the end of the ice age, along with a lot of the big mammals like the mammoths and the giant sloths. Um, so potentially this is why they disappeared. Maybe their prey died out and there was nothing left for them to eat. Maybe they couldn't um, get by on smaller prey. Uh, unlike mo modern cats, but we're not really sure. Amazing. Climate change is probably a big factor. In yeah, the yeah, absolutely. I've heard that before, and um, yeah, and other other things that maybe have been hunting them, like humans and things like that, might have had some impacts as well. Yes, it's a bit interesting that they all these things tend to disappear just as humans sort of arrive on the scene. And uh, so, but yeah, perhaps we're having a, a, a knock-on effect as well. We're not really sure. Well, thank you, Kieran. Um, I've got a few more questions for you. So are you able to stay on the line just a little bit longer? Because I want to hear Absolutely. about um, a bit more about some of those animals you just mentioned there. Um, but we've got another song for now, and we'll be back after this. Bring it, 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 bring it
Welcome back to the Saturday Splash, where we have heard about saber-toothed cats, terror birds and sea scorpions for Fossil Day and as part of our spooky month. Now, Kieran, I've got a really important question for you, and I'm sure lots of people will be wondering this. Why were there no dinosaurs on your list of top three spooky <laughs> animals? Yeah, that's a good question. As you know, I love dinosaurs, but they get a lot of attention. Uh, you know, we, it's hard to talk about prehistoric animals without dinosaurs coming up. And yeah, they were really interesting and kind of scary creatures, but they, they get all the love. And I wanted to highlight some of the interesting and lesser known creepy beasties that are out there. I think you've definitely done that. I, sea scorpions, they were new to me, and terror birds. I mean, I recommend if people can go and Google a terror bird, you're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> and if... Yeah, much as I would have loved to, of course, talk about just pick three pterosaurs. You know I love pterosaurs, the flying reptiles. Uh, but I talked about them last time. Uh, that said, <laughs> I would like to briefly mention a giant pterosaur that's found in Transylvania in 2009 because it has been nicknamed Dracula. So that's your, your Halloween pterosaur for the day. I think we need a pterosaur for every day. Kieran's <laughs> recommended pterosaur. So that's like a bit like a pterodactyl, if people haven't heard that pterosaur before. And I'm going to plug here. If you like the sound of pterosaurs, we've got an episode on our podcast list where Kieran told us and fought for the case of pterosaurs. Um, so you can go and find that. Now, if you had to leave us with one final really spooky fossil that we could go away and Google with maybe like our parents' permission if it's going to be quite a scary one, um, that's going to really give us the creeps. What would you tell us to go away and research? Um, I would say if you're looking for something to give your nightmares a bit more of an edge, uh, you think they've been getting a bit boring lately, um, go and look up hell pigs. Hell pigs. Uh, the scientific name is Entilodonts. But they're also known as hell pigs or sometimes terminator pigs. Oh, I like and, that, terminator yeah. pigs. <laughs> if you imagine a cross between a warthog and a grizzly bear, you're sort of almost there. Uh, sort of two metre tall uh, pig thing with teeth like the contents of a toolbox. They probably <laughs> ate plants, meat, bones, pretty much everything. Uh, absolutely terrifying. They lived in the Miocene period as well, as if terror birds weren't bad enough. Oh, wow. Okay, so don't take a trip to the Miocene is what I'm, I'm getting, unless you've got lots of really good armour. Um, now, we've come to the end of our, our spooky fossil section, but we are hopefully going to be joined on air very shortly by our friend Victor, who is up to something currently as we speak in the London Wetland Centre. Um, so he is conducting a survey and lots of exciting activities for Fat Spider Fortnite. Who knew such a thing existed? Kieran, are there any spiders in the fossil record? Do we see spiders from the past? There are, yeah. They're very rare because spiders, of course, don't have any hard parts, so they don't fossilise very well at all. Uh, but there are uh, fossil spiders. Um, I forget how big the biggest one is. They, they have been pretty big in the past. Okay. Uh, Amazing. Well, we're gonna. We've been in the past today. We're coming forward to the modern day. Hopefully, we'll get Victor on air soon and ask him what exactly is Fat Spider Fortnight all about, and it ties in so perfectly to our Halloween spooky month. We'll be back after this. Hello, welcome back to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. You are listening to Rosie, and we have been doing spooky fossils today with Kieran, and Kieran is still on the line. But we are going to try and go live to London Wetland Centre over in Barnes, where my good friend Victor should be on the line. Hello, Victor, are you there? Hello, yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, fantastic. Woohoo! Woohoo, we made it work. Victor, what are you doing at the London Wetland Centre today? 
Ah, well, so the Natural History Museum is now in the middle of its fat spider fortnight. So a few of us from the Natural History Museum are here at the London Wetland Centre uh, looking for spiders. What is a fat spider fortnight? Because it's the perfect thing for us to tie into our Saturday Splash spooky month. And we have been hearing a little bit about uh, spider fossils, but what is fat spider fortnight? Ah, so this is another community science campaign uh, that the Natural History Museum is a part of, and it is to encourage people to get outside and have a look for spiders, because at this time of year, we've got some especially big ones that are out and about. So we need to be getting out there looking for spiders. I mean, I personally love spiders, but I'm sure some people listening will be like, no, thank you very much. I know it's Halloween and all, but what, why do we, what's the whole point of looking for spiders? Is there something we need to learn about them? Well, so this community science campaign is just to kind of get people to start becoming a bit more familiar with spiders because they are kind of a bit creepy with their kind of really eight long legs. Uh, but if you spend a bit of time looking at them, you start to notice that there's loads of different kinds and they can be really quite beautiful. Um, and here in the UK, they're really all very friendly spiders. Um, very few of them can even get through human skin for, for a bite. Um, so they're pretty much all harmless here in the UK. And is the idea, because we've done some like kind of nature searches with you before, Victor, and we know you're a big fan of the app iNaturalist. So is the idea, similar to before, you take a picture of the spider and then you upload it to this app called iNaturalist and you help scientists understand what's where? Yeah, that's absolutely it. Um, so we want people to get outside from all across the country to get looking for spiders to help us figure out um, how their populations are spreading because, you know, this year has been a particularly warm year here in the UK. We've smashed records all up and down the country. And that can mean that our spider populations are moving where we find them. So some of the ones that used to be stuck a bit further south in the country might be starting to move a bit further north. Um, and some of the ones with more limited ranges or that are more sensitive and what kind of habitats they can live in, um, they might have come up to some problems this year with the really hot, dry weather. So by getting out there and taking photos, uploading them to iNaturalist, that can really help us understand what's going on with our spiders here in the UK. Amazing. And I'm sure if people want to get involved in Fat Spider Fortnite, just give those words, Fat Spider Fortnite, a little go on a search engine, and I'm sure it'll bring up everything you need to know. And Victor, you're going to be at the Wetland Centre for the next few hours, aren't you? That's it. Yep. We're here till about 3.30 today. Amazing. And I'm going to be getting on my bike but... as soon as I can and zooming along down <laughs> to join you as well. We are so close um, to running out of time this morning. I just want to say a huge thank you to Kieran. Kieran, are you a fan of spiders? I love spiders. I think they're beautiful. Okay, so do you, you're on board. People should get out there looking for spiders, getting them on this Fat Spider Fortnite program. Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. And Victor, thank you so much for braving the weather and braving the Zoom complications to get on air for us today, Victor. I'll see you shortly at the Wetland Centre. Wonderful. See you shortly. And remember, it's a whole another week to take part. So if you can't come out today, you've got a whole week to still take part. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Well, there we have it. That is another week of the Saturday Splash. Next week, we're continuing our spooky theme. Next week, we're going on a scare hunt. 
I'll tell you more what that means when you join us next week on Saturday every week from 11am and of course you can find us on the, the podcast as well so wherever you find your podcasts you can type in Saturday Splash and it should come up with all of our previous episodes so you can find out about Kieran's pterosaurs that we were talking about earlier and you can find out about the other challenges we've done with Victor as well um, but we are looking forward to you, uh, seeing you next week so thank you to everyone who's helped me today and we will see you then. Oh, <laughs>